Hello and a warm Collisions YYC. Welcome. My name is Tyler Chisholm and thank you for joining us on what is, I'm going to call a special episode. This, will, this episode is live on September 30th, which is the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And I will be very forthcoming in the fact that we have lacked Indigenous content on our show. And this was for me an opportunity to look at this day and say, how am I going to engage? And I decided to do it through education. I decided to do it exactly how I do it, by getting people on the show and having conversations that matter. Before I introduce you to my guest for today, I want to read a Treaty 7 Territory Land Acknowledgement. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge that we live, work, and play on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Métis Nations, Region 3, and all people who make their homes in Treaty 7 Region of Southern Alberta. And with that, I would like to make a warm introduction to Trent Faquette. How are you, Trent? Good, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Trent, you are the President and CEO of Steel River Group. And to set the stage to, you know, I always joke, okay, we just jumped in the elevator. we got 30 floors. What's the elevator? Uh, tell us about, for anyone who hasn't had the opportunity to know or work with you, what is Steel River Group? Well, thanks again, Tyler. I appreciate you. Uh, and also that this episode is going to get an opportunity to, uh, to air on September 30, which is a pretty special day, obviously. Uh, yeah, Steel River Group, um, you know, we're Indigenous-owned, um, diverse, I guess, group is one way to explain it, that, that plays inside of the development um, space consortium of construction companies uh you know our mandate our mission is to look through the lens of indigenous nations and communities and through that lens uh, help uh, you know help them be successful uh, we've created uh, you know, some quote-unquote secret sauces and through those secret sauces we're able to um you know help the community synergize internally through the lens of cultural aspects social aspects and uh, you know the economic uh, opportunities that fall within the regions and through that, you know, we've evolved into um, uh, quite a consortium of businesses, up to about 30 uh, nation partners now, peppered throughout uh, Canada, um, a bunch of different construction divisions, everything from pipeline construction into renewable space and, and pretty much everything in between. And we hold uh, you know, our own equipment company and, and um, an investment company. We also have some technology that we're extremely proud about. This is off of the press. The news release has not even gone out yet, but I can I can share with you, um, you know, the release of a new company, the water care company. It just got supported by Alberta Innovates for our technology. Excellent. Uh, centered around all water solutions. The first wave is through wastewater, and then R&D is hot in the press right now to get this technology rolled in through drinking water. And it's a very unique module concept that can be easily deployed, especially in remote communities. So we're very, 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 very proud of that technology. That's fantastic. So from now, like from the social good side, the ability to clean water is something when you live in a city or you live in diff different parts of Canada, let's be honest, we take for granted, but not everyone has access to clean drinking water. No, I mean, obviously that's a, you know, a topic throughout the Indigenous space um, and communities always have been. And I guess, you know, more so just because of the culture aspects of water and how important the water is to our cultures. You know, some like me is very, very important on the river that we grew up. Our livelihood was off either the ocean water and or the river water. So very, very, very important in so many ways. But at the end of the day, you know, why isn't there clean drinking water for every single Canadian? It's an interesting question. It's it indigenous, think, not indigenous. It's a very, very interesting question. No, it's so easy to take for granted and, you know, and so easy to get very quickly, you know, that's a very upsetting thing to even comment on in the sense that we live where we live and one of the most fortunate and wealthy and opportun like opportunities anywhere in the world and to this, the concepts of like the basics of survival of drinking water. But that's, I think we could do a whole podcast on that, but let's, before we go down, down some of the issues and talking about like, you know, I love my magic wand question. If we could make things better, what would we do? This is probably a long list based on that, but 
Steel River Group, you mentioned where you guys are based. Are you guys Alberta based, but you have presences all across Canada? Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, we, we started out of Alberta. Um, you know, I live in Calgary, so our corporate office is now in Calgary. Okay. Uh, it's where Steel River Group is housed. Uh, one of our operation companies, Steel River Energy Services, is also in Calgary and, um, and Vancouver. Uh, our pipeline group and our major general contracting group is out of Sherwood Park, and our equipment shop is in um, in Nisku. So a lot, a lot of our main operations is in Alberta. Um, we just expanded into Vancouver. Um, we're going to expand, you know, see announcements this fall into Ottawa, uh, Kelowna, Victoria, and Winnipeg as well. So um, excellent. Yeah, so mostly all, most Genesis is Alberta, and okay. and a lot of our major operations, corporate offices are in Alberta. And Tim, you said thirty nation partners. Like, just give me an idea. Like, how do you measure on you know financial impact to a community? Do you measure on number of people that you can get employed? Like, I'm just curious if some of the metrics that you look at, you know, reading through your website, there's a lot of values-based, governance-based. There's a lot of information there that shows that, you know, like, hey, we're not just trying to show shareholder return on a bottom line quarterly statement. I'm, I'm getting an impression that there's significantly more layers factored into what you deem as success or not. Oh yeah, 100%. Like uh, when we're invited in to come into a nation, to help that nation, um, you know, it's an open book, whatever we feel or they feel they need support on. You know, we go through the motions to ensure that, you know, we're aligned. Um, the need versus need for all partnerships and relationships are important. You know, some communities, um, you know, we walked into, they can be very, very, very successful nations already. Whatever that success means, they may have the right governance structure, they have the right businesses they're invested in, and we just need to fill a little bit of mortar into their overall plans. And you know whether whether it's optimum investments going forward, whether it's helping shore up one of the businesses maybe not going well, versus a community that actually you know has no development goal, no governance structure in place, where you know what we would deem would be an important governance structure for that nation to go forward and be successful. Um, in some cases, you know the, the communities may be looking through a short-term lens, a four-year lens. What we say is four years versus four years, um, and we're not really equipped to help a community that's based on a four-year lens. Uh, Steel River Group is not. If you know, there's a, a project by project pool, we can connect them into one of our ecosystem partners or one of our own companies that we can support on a project. But Steel River really looks through the 40-year lens, and that's where we see a lot of synergies with the community partners because you know the community partners look through seven generations, not one seven-year project. You're not, you're not, you're not focused on the next investment cycle, which is kind of what we tend to get lost in sometimes where we don't create that long-term sustainable change because we're just focused. Governmentally, you get focused on the next round of voting. <laughs> yeah. And we're not a consulting firm. Like we don't go in with a partnership and do anything at fee for services. We go in, if there's a partnership and we see a long-term benefit that we can add value, then we, you know, we walk through revenue streams based on our partner's success and where we can work together um, oh, interesting. So That's, okay. Thanks, that for well. Thanks for clarifying. Because from the outside, again, a quick, a quick blush, and I'm, I'm the outside observer at this point. I wondered if there was a consulting model. So, with that idea of partnership, and it's not four years; it's forty years. I really appreciate that. How long has Steel River Group been, uh, been, been in existence? And maybe there's been some inter- iterations as you've maybe arrived at who you are today. But where I'm going with that question is, how long have you guys been around? But also, what have you seen change? Are we doing better? Are we getting better at partnering with our indigenous communities to create more economic benefit for everyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, that's an interesting question because I can answer a couple different ways. Okay. You know, I, I've been in the business for 25 years. Um, the first 20 years of my life, I've only did construction, worked for construction companies, built construction projects, but I did it all over Canada. Um, 
kind of joked I lived and worked, lived in or worked in every province, territory, major city. <laughs> I, I was and probably, and I'll be honest, maybe some of, some of the less glamorous spots I'm sensing as well. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, <laughs> but through that lens, you know, whether it's person where I grew up and or my work experience, this business concept that I built, I probably built it, you know, over the last 12, 15 years in some aspects, mm-hmm. worked for some amazing companies, ATCO Group, so, you know, a lot of what I learned early on in my career, worked for ATCO 20 years ago, now they work with nation partners, you know, the 3M model, uh, stole whatever I could see there, what they were doing right. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and, and re- re- repurpose it for new means, absolutely. <laughs> repurpose it, but all, you know, based around, you know, the technical side and what a good agreements could do versus what good, good intent, what good, good core values can do. You know, and ATCO has always been looking to the lens of what's right for community. And they do that Indigenous, not Indigenous partners. They're just very value-based business. And I've, I learned that really, really early from ATCO and versus working for a great company called JV Driver, understanding how to grow a company really quick by partnerships and consolidation and, you know, doing the right governance structure, but a different type of governance structure. Um, so, you know, that experience uh, allowed me to build up this business plan about 12, 14 years ago. And then I actually tried to implement the business about 12 years ago and ended up just turning into another construction company. Whether it's me not ready for it, uh, whether it was a timing, whether it was just some tweaks as far as relationships. Anyway, you know, moved on from that experience. And, and then about five years ago, um, you know, pulled out the business plan, dusted it off a bit. And decided to uh, you know reimagine uh, you know the approach, and the intent was first five years was actually literally to open a consulting company, going back to that, and going in and just working with a couple nations to help implement uh, again the secret sauces, our collective impact model, our synergy model, and um, some of the other things that help synergize the community under governance. And this time around, it was it was different. Um, it was. Uh, you know, the plan stuck. It was it was really focused on what we could do for the communities. And within eight months, the plan just blew up. And we see an opportunity where we could really accelerate some of the growth of our own businesses. So we opened some construction companies. We opened sub-companies. We opened, um, you know, joint venture companies with our nation partners. One that ended up being extremely successful was Backwards Energy. Um, so it was just, it was, it was different. And your timing question is really neat because, you know, my experience working right across Canada, um, we Western and maybe some of the industries I'm involved in was way, way, way behind. When I say that, it's kind of consistently being way behind. I, I talked about some great companies that were probably ahead of their time as far as their commitment to communities, but it wasn't consistent for whatever reason. And but across the north, and there were territories, Yukon, none of it, uh, you know, and in certain industries like mining, totally different. Like they they've been out of the curve doing what other groups are trying to do right now. They've been doing twenty years ago. So, you know, so when I looked at, uh, so timing really worked out, I think, about four or five years ago for me. If you look back five years ago, it was a tough time in Alberta. You know, I think we were kind of in the middle of our second, like, downturn of a downturn. Yeah, we were kind of two years into our second downturn that we hoped wasn't even going to be a downturn, but yet it turned out to be a complete, <laughs> it actually could be a, sta- a bit of a state change, actually. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, opening a new business at that time versus, you know, kind of opening it through the lens of the business model we did, whereas I, think, uh, I don't think many people thought we were going to see success. Um, but I think through the lens of, you know, the indigenous communities and where the communities were deciding, you know, that it was time to maybe take a proactive approach and now they were going to align with industry, timing was probably the best. People just didn't, we probably didn't all see it at that particular time. And then, you know, you and I talked before we got on air 
about some of your mandates for the show and, you know, trying to maybe leave that political lens out of it, the government lens out of it, and how does industry come together. And I think that's a really, really key trick of, of uh, our underlying um, mandate of ours is let's just take the government out of the question and then what's left? What's left is industry and the communities in which they work. And, you know, the indigenous communities which they work adds, you know, maybe look through one lens as a unique risk, look through another lens adds a lot of opportunity. And I think we just seen that maybe five years ago, and now, now what you've seen, especially over the last couple of years, is maybe a little bit more consistency of seeing it through that lens, seeing it through a positive lens, of working proactive with communities. And in non-Indigenous communities, Indigenous communities have a tighter relationship and building the capacity in regions so you can maybe leave outside some of the new capacity trying to come into regions because they're sugar-eye type projects, is that you can maybe build that capacity inside the regions a little more proactively especially if the industry helps support that. That's Sorry, right. it was a long answer. No, no, a, it was great. You gave, you, you gave me a lot to think about. So I do appreciate, and I'm, I'm just play, play the ignorant bystander here a little bit. Sometimes the media plays up a lot of the drama that exists between industry and the communities, where I heard you spin it very quickly to like, no, no, if we start, if both groups start to look at this of what can we do together, the, that's a force multiplier. But I think sometimes in the media, you, you hear the places, you hear the stories where if, you know, if it bleeds, it leads is the old joke. Whenever there's something that's negative, it tends to get the play. And I think if you're not informed, and I've fallen into that category many times, you think that that's just what's going on. But then you hear these stories, and I work enough with people in the oil and gas sector, and there's a lot of very collaborative relationships. And sounds like your business, like you said, like I do appreciate right idea at the right time, but that openness to both groups going, Hey, if we get together, we can actually, we can actually accomplish a lot more and benefit. Like, is that, you said, you know, 20 years ago that existed in different communities, more North in certain sectors like mining. Is it just kind of working its way through the, through the funnel, if you will, to get to a point where everyone starts to see it that way? I don't know if I can answer that question, right? There's different drivers for different reasons. Okay, like you go in some of the Northern parts of, of Canada, there's a, a bigger condensation of, of indigenous people and the, you know, the, the number versus non-indigenous people and, you know, the understanding of land rights and understanding of, you know, the economic opportunities to come in the region. So everything is different. You okay. know, there's a lot of things around, you know, the, where communities have ended up, you know, some have won the geographic lottery and some haven't. Yeah. And that plays a big part in success of a nation, right? They, they can be a lot more independent off, you know, third party support from government if their industry is, is just naturally right there at the doorstep versus some other communities that are not. You look through all of Canada, tell me how many small communities in Saskatchewan, Alberta disappeared. They're no longer there because there's no economies. The reserves are still there. <laughs> they haven't gone anywhere. You know, they're, they're still, they're still situated there and uh, the economy around them hasn't changed. So, you know, just different. It's different. the cultural and a lot of different aspects doesn't allow the individuals in that community to just get up and leave and, and take off. There's, you know, there's there's a lot of pride on that land. There's a lot of culture in that land. There's a lot that the, the individuals need to stay and protect outside of economy. That's probably ten times more important than economies. But yet that drives a lot of, you know, maybe what we might perceive, you might perceive, the media might perceive as issues, but they're not really issues. It's just the economy is not there. So a lot of the things we're trying to do is trying to bring industry into areas. You know, there's a lot of opportunities between nation and nation trade, and you know, bringing manufacturing, bringing uh, certain industries into a region that can be done on a certain reserve, and then products can be sold in another reserve, and there's some tax benefits, and it just there's a lot of creative ways to reimagine how to bring industry to areas that maybe just don't naturally have it. 
That's a really interesting comparison. I really appreciate you saying that about, you know, there's small, hey, the death of the small town is a, is a phenomenon across North America, probably globally too, depending on what you want to look at it. But in Canada, it's prairie provinces, that's just not sustainable anymore. So those people pick up and leave or, you know, large, you know, multi, multi-acre farms come in and now all of a sudden all the little farmhouses go away and it's just a swath of land. But when you talk about the connection the Indigenous community has to their land being so much more, uh, you know, how much more important than just the economic drivers of that area that you don't, you don't kind of have the opportunity to pick up and leave. It seems so obvious when you say it out loud, but until you think about it, put it in context, I hadn't really considered it in that framework. It's interesting. So when you look at it, um, you know, internation trade, and when you look at the ability to, so from your, are you having groups reach out to your community, nations reach out to you, I should say, and say, hey, we know we need to do something different. We don't know what it is. Can you help us? Like literally open arms and can please, we, we don't even know where to turn. Yeah, for sure. You know, and those are the best calls. You know, we, okay. we, we, we don't necessarily <laughs> try to impose our, ourselves in any region. We wait to get invited in. And, um, but those are the best calls. Uh, you know, hey, we need help. We need support. You know, we're doing this, this, this right. Um, we feel, you know, there's an opportunity to, to do better or, you know, see things a little differently and reimagine it. And, you know, that's exactly what we can do. We can go in and work with the community. The key thing, you know, it's when I talk about cultural um, social and economics those are three 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 very very important things economics are easy economics are easy you know there, there's opportunities out there to lens whether you want to geographic lottery or not you can drive economies that's easy especially through the lens of a community but going into the community and understanding the culture of the community the politics of the community and I say politics for a reason because being indigenous politics is a really part important part of our culture um, it's not a negative it's 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 just part of our culture the outside world looks at the business world looks at indigenous communities and go okay well i want to learn all the culture but hey I don't want any involvement in the, in the politics cool but but they're I'm joined sorry, at the hip they're joined at the hip <laughs> they're joined at the hip and it's not a negative it's it's just the way we process decisions it, there's a lot of a lot of important aspects inside culture versus politics and then the social aspects obviously you know this past year has educated a lot of people on nuclear speed about a lot of social workings inside of communities and uh, good, bad, or indifferent, it's a very, very, very important part of how decisions are made and how, how communities can be successful and and maybe how, you know, maybe where some of the roadblocks might have been for the community to link cultural, social, and, and economics. And I think we're, our model can go in and highlight where after, you know, being involved in the community, understanding the community, meeting with elders, meeting with the youth, meeting with leadership, uh, elected leadership or non-elected leadership, is then understanding those social and cultural aspects. And once we understand that, we can bring in the preview from our ecosystem on economics and we can reimagine and, and give some really neat advice on, on where we think the community can shore up um, and, and maybe maybe look at what the future might look at a little differently. And, and that's, you know, that's what's, at the end of the day, you give me my elevator speech back. That's the elevator speech. That's what we can yeah. do. And that's what we do really well. I really love what you said. The economics is easy. That's just business and it's a spreadsheet and it's a plan and it's a business and we can make it happen. But culture and politics, are you seeing industry come to the table? You said everyone has been educated at a nuclear speed the last, you know, the last year, a couple of years, which is good. But when you look at it from large, you know, enterprise level, you know, super majors coming in to do, to do deals, is it companies at that level? Are they educating themselves and being aware of the culture and the politics? Or is it now maybe that those companies have, indigenous groups internally that allow them to navigate that what about smaller companies that are coming in maybe doing business quote-unquote for the first time with with a with a nation 
that's a that's an interesting question because the way I guess the way I can answer that is I'll start off by saying, you know, there's no such thing as business to business relationships, and no such thing as a, a community name and a and a company name. It's all about people. Um, it's people to people relationships, and I know inside of Indigenous communities, especially when people come into the community to try to build relationships and understand, then those become very, very, very important relationships. Very important relationships. Very trusting relationships. And I think a lot of times the industry to date, and I, like, this is not universal, um, have not maybe appreciated the level of individual that you want to engage with the community to build those initial relationships. And ensuring that that person has the right authority, the right responsibility, the right whatever terms you want to use. So when they come back inside the organization and they provide what they've learned and what they heard, that they can get the right support inside their organizations. So whether it's a big company, small company, I like, I'm not going to say names. I'm not going to say which company does better than the other. I'm just saying there's a really opportunity for the companies to interject into those relationships, the right person that can really gain that trust. And with that trust is gained, they can also have that same trust and responsibility inside your organization. Okay, that makes so. I'm assuming you're seeing some companies doing that well, but some companies that still have room for improvement. Correct. Is it? Is it? Are we getting better? Like, and I say the proverbial we, like we as a group, because if we're going well, if we're going to combine and we're going to team up to actually create economic opportunities for all for all parties involved, we need to be improving on this on this scale of of acknowledging who we're doing business with and and how maybe the business is slightly different. Yeah, uh, the, the answer is yes. Like it's uh, okay. You know, you probably get a sense of uh, ultimate optimism, but I, pre- you know, I appreciate that. But you and I are going to get along. You and I are going to get along just fine, China. <laughs> Look, they, they, they int- and this is uh, I had the unique experience of working in this industry for twenty five years. This business, direct business plan for five years, and I can tell you wholeheartedly, within ever since I opened up this business, especially in the last three to four years, um, there's a there's a, a wave of intent from all industry members, government members to figure out how we collaborate better and how we work better as an overall Canada, province, region, 100%, no doubt. Is there, you know, different groups working at different paces? Sure. Is there, is there a lot of groups that are just plain scared? Like are, you know, is there, is there a huge mistrust from the nations on how companies want to work with them? Sure. Is there, are groups and companies just scared to go in and work with, with indigenous communities because they, they just, you know, they, they, they have the right intent, but it seems like everything they do doesn't come up to par. There's two sides to all stories. There's the yin and the yang. There's the flip side. Of, there's there's two sides. And the communication and dialogue can't just go one way. It can't be the community, you know, voicing out what they need. And trust me, the communities voice out what they need, but they also really, really, really care about understanding what the, what the, what the industry partners want, need, what their cultures are. I just don't think that... the a lot of times the industry partners put the same weight back into the communities. And I, same comment I mentioned earlier, right? So you go into, go into communities, you have the heck dev, the CEO, the chief and councils, all very, very, very enthralled in what's important to them and voicing what's important to them. And then being partaking of, you know, what the success is. And yet, you know, you have an individual, two individuals 
coming in sporadically to try to build a relationship with the community. Like, uh, like it, it just, you know, it just doesn't really match up. As it doesn't, as what I'm hearing intent. is it doesn't, it doesn't line up. You're not bringing the, you're not doesn't bringing the up. right constituent. Oh, that's interesting. Cause you mentioned earlier the elected and non-elected officials that you're going to engage with in, in a nation or in a community where you're right in a, in a large organization, you're going to get a representative who is tasked to going out and speaking. So right away, it's, it's almost mis, it's misaligned. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. 100%. And am I also hearing that when you look at the way the nations function in this way, it sounds very inclusive. It's very collaborative, very quick to go from the business perspective, but also the culture and the politics. All those things feel like they're getting brought to the table simultaneously, which might be a bit overwhelming for an industry partner. And I use the word scared for a reason, right? Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Somebody goes into the community, you're there to talk about the project. You're there to talk about the economic benefits. Let's talk about, hey, we're going to give a little back on the social side. Cool. All good, right? We're here to give, give, give. Yeah, yeah. I see. Great, but are you here to listen? Because if you're here to listen, then we've got a lot to say. There's a lot of important messaging. We're also here to listen. So, you know, do you tell me about the company? Tell me about what you guys have done. Tell me about your culture. Tell me about the people that are involved in your business. <laughs> which, it, which I'll and be blunt. Is, I'll be blunt. It makes it makes sense when you lay it out that way. It sounds like well, that seems fair, that seems fairly <laughs> obvious. If we're going to hang out and do a project together, we should probably get to know each other, right? <laughs> well, in most cases, it's not one project. In most yeah. cases, years and years and years of project. And I think well, four, years, four versus forty, um, like you said, forty years. <laughs> and you know, I one of the things what baffles me a little bit um, about, and I like to say consistently again, but what I've seen, especially in Alberta and Western Canada where you don't see in other places is is that long-term approach where you're looking at, okay, well, I have seven or eight projects going to be built over the next 20 years, possibly. Right. Um, why are we just talking about one project? Why are we talking about sustainability? What sustainability really mean? Well, it's not on a seven-month pipeline project. It's on a seven-year commitment to each other. It's And that's I think that's really the change. That's where the next evolution of the change is, okay. is inside of our markets um, and inside of some areas in Alberta especially where those conversations need to take a, a little bit longer term approach. I, I was on a, a panel the other day and I seen something come out after and got misquoted a bit. Um, and what I was saying is that, you know, and let's just use pipeline. So if you take a pipeline project, yeah, it's a large project that comes through, but it comes through over seven months and everybody is scrambling to try to get as many words, awards off that job as they can. People employed, subcontracts, and then you have all the nations competing with each other after the same little bit of work, little bit of scraps of work. And, you know, it might be bigger numbers on overall commitment, but when it's all shaken out and said and done, it's it's minuscule. There's X amount of contracts there, X amount of people working, and it's kind of, okay, cool, we'll get you on the next project, we'll get you on the next project. And it seems like every project will get you on the next project, where if you walk to the table and there's a five-year maintenance contract, and I'll just use numbers, in in inside the communities we work with, you can take a $100 million contract versus a $10 million yearly maintenance contract. And a $10 million yearly maintenance contract adds 10 times more value than a $100 million one-off contract. Why? Because now you can build that equipment that can be carried over five, six years. You can actually get some people in training positions that moves into you know, entry level, that moves into trades, that moves into foremen. You can build out a plan. Now you're really becoming a partner with that community and community members and that's you know that's the next evolution is is, is getting out of the quote-unquote sugar eyes of projects and making a real commitment over a lifetime 
Well, and if you think about just the fundamentals of business, you want those long-term relationships so you don't have to go through, like it's not a cold start and some new representative shows up on the next project and has to quote unquote start over again. When you think about like, what are you talking about? These are large capital expenditure over periods of time. Much better to have a partnership that really thinks on a 20-year horizon. I just think that's just not necessarily our, our first our first go-to because you've got people that are very project-centric and they their goal line is the project, not necessarily that next year that might be that longer, uh, that horizon, which just makes more sense. Hmm. You, know, you know, we I've, we've, I've seen it all my career, but even seen it since we opened our business, right? You, you get one job and you get awarded based on XYZ, and then it's a really big emphasis because of community engagement, being indigenous, blah, blah, blah. And cool, that's great. That's that's going to be, okay, now we know all the price out for this client because they're, they're, you go to the next job and it's totally different uh, awarding standards because of this, just price. Okay, I can appreciate that, but, you know, moving to goalposts is very, very, very difficult. And that's for a private business. I can tell you that, it, like, it's extreme when it comes to nations and the, commun- the communication back and forth and that inconsistency that's really, really, really what, uh, you know, drives this, this mistrust between industry and nations and nations and government is that inconsistent approach. And we're dealing with some historical, you know, times, storylines that have been around for years and been some misappropriation and people taking advantage of people. And, you know, once, once someone burns you once, you get, you're really shy to get burned twice. Like, let's just be, let's just be human in that statement. <laughs> Yeah, but you know one thing about indigenous culture, right? It's a, it's a very forgiving culture. It's a very resilient culture. Um, we're not a culture that goes out there and you know and looks to throw people under the bus and and, and look not to work cooperatively. And you think you look through the history and some of the things about the indigenous culture is not what you need to learn; it's what you need to unlearn. And once you do that, you'll see that there is a lot of consistency in indigenous cultures on, you know, how trusting they really are, how trusting they can be, how willing they are work to, um, to work with outsiders. Um, so, you know, I think it's a little bit of a different approach when you look through the lens. It's not always about all the negative and hurt because that's there. That's, that's there. That's there. But, you know, unlearn some of the other things of, of the cooperations and the intent of indigenous communities and knowing you know, that need partners uh, to be successful. And we're looking always for partners to be successful, um, especially industry partners, is, is probably a new paradigm. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking that stance on. Like, so thinking about that, if I'm listening to this as, 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 as industry that wants, that wants and is doing more business with, with indigenous communities and nations across Canada, what are some of the things I should unlearn? You touched on a couple right there and I really appreciate that. Like, I want to, <laughs> let's, let's get into the nitty gritty here. Like let's not, let's not cruise on the surface too much. So from your perspective, you know, you, you're my expert. Like I warned you before we got on the show because you've got the microphone in front of you now. And I'm going to ask you whatever comes, whatever curiosity like breaks, what can we learn? What can we take away and say, whoa, okay, let's park that idea. But Hey, here's maybe another way of doing business that actually might really work better for you. Like what would you put on that list? I guess the first thing I do a caveat that's you know I'm indigenous I'm I'm a business owner but you know I, I don't speak on behalf of indigenous people quote unquote right there's all of our cultures difference all of our experiences difference and in many ways you know I feel a little bit like a fraud even trying to get across somebody's opinions because they're my opinions only my opinions there's a lot of great leaders out there um, um, and and elders and others that are you know can can really 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 give you education around our culture and, and some of the the histories and positives, negatives, uh, you know, what other cultures, but I'm probably not the best for that. Um, as far as, you know, working with communities, working with indigenous people, I think, you know, we're all the same. Like there's no, there's no uniqueness. There's nothing to be scared about. 
it's all about really, really, really trying to understand your neighbors and under, understanding, uh, you know, the original people of this land. Like, uh, I, I've probably said this a few times, so I'm repeating myself, but this is something that I truly believe in, is that, or the way we look through our lens, I guess I should say it, is that there's many old cultures in the world, really old cultures. And when you look through the lens of those old cultures, we're all the same. It's not about diversity. It's not about our different. Yeah, different skin colors. Yeah, we might pray to a different God. Yeah, we might have different ceremonies. But truly in the heart of that, those cultures is all about well-being. It's all about family. It's all about taking care of your environment, your surroundings, and being good neighbors. That's, that's it, period. What I think, you know, inside of Canada is we've really lost that identity. We don't know who we are. You know, Canadian culture needs to maybe step back and reinstate it as Indigenous culture. And if I go to Italy, if I go to other places in the world, what I do is I research all about their culture. When I go there, I want to get immersed in their culture. I want to get immersed in their food. I want to get immersed in their, in their song and their, you know, just their life. When people come to Canada, what do they do? Do they get immersed in what? Is it cowboy country? Is it French culture? Is it maple syrup? What is our culture? Well, I think, you know, we really, 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 that's all part of who we are, 100%. Yes, yes. And it's all great parts of who we are. Um, but we're also Indigenous. And that's our roots. So, you know, blending and ensuring that Canada is really looked through the lens of our Indigenous culture, first and foremost, I think will shine a light on everything else and maybe reinstate our identity. But That's powerful. And, and I thank you. And I really appreciate the, the, the caveat of, you know, speaking on behalf of, but at this point, you're speaking on behalf of your own views. And I really, I really value you being honest and kind of come forward. Uh, again, and this is any, maybe an easy question to ask, like, are we on the right path? Like you said, there's been this kind of nuclear pace of, of education change and shifting values. And I, I think it's a journey that we're all on, you know, together as, as Canadians, but it's been aggressive the last couple of years. Like things are coming at us fast and furious from a belief perspective. And let's be honest, I always joke, you can argue with facts, but when you start arguing with beliefs, quote unquote, people, it can get, get dicey because <laughs> we get really, we get real <laughs> fragile real fast. <laughs> yeah. So in your in the business community, has has that same level of change? Has it been moving as fast? You know, sounds like you guys have been on also your own uh, kind of rapid growth and rapid expansion. Do you feel that is that all tied together, or or is it also a bit of right idea, right time, or it's just kind of when when the stars are lining up for change? Yeah, I, I think for us, you know, our, our business model, our success, we're we're, we're so stylized in our kind of our business concepts, like our our construction businesses are successful because not because we're indigenous owned. Okay. We're successful because the people that we have working for us, period. Indigenous, non-indigenous. We have phenomenal people working for us, phenomenal resumes, phenomenal back, uh, you know, uh, respect from their partners, people, the people um, uh, comment that I made earlier. That's where our success is coming from, period. End of story. Our success inside of the, and the success of our nation partners is also going in there looking through the lens of synergizing and, and just taking everything through a positive light and not the negative and focusing on social and focusing on all the, the negative stuff. Let's focus on the positive and where we need to go to ensure the success of the community. So like, our, it is what it is when it comes to our business. With that said, um, to answer your first question, you know, where is industry going? Are we better? Are we worse? We're 150 times better. Because the awareness, the awareness is there. You can listen to the dialogue. You can listen to what's on the news. You can listen to what's going on on LinkedIn. You know, you can see there's a lot of attention put through looking through the lens of indigenous culture, indigenous beliefs, so on and so forth. And it's not negative. It's it's all positive. It's because everyone is just respecting that they, they're, they're out there wanting to learn. And it's time, you know, it's, it's a little, there's an indigenous culture 
we've been recognized as being very, 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 very good at adapting, uh, whether by choice or not. Yes, I, yes, I was going to say, <laughs> um, sometimes you didn't have an option there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, where I see now that industry and government and, and others and are really trying to adapt a little bit more, uh, trying okay. to adapt, and that's really positive. That's, that's great to see. That's, that excites me. That, and it's not negativity. You don't see on social media, you don't see a bunch of negativity back. You know, and there's a lot of opportunities where, where you know, Indigenous and what are perceived or actual, where there's movements put by, by groups and that might delay projects. That might put different, like there's just whatever that might be. Right. And you don't see that negative tone. You see a little bit of understanding why that's an effect. Okay, now we understand it. How do we all work together now to de-risk that? Because... It's just risk. That's all it is. And if you de-risk that, I mean, it's a win-win around environment. It's a win-win around sustainability. All the things indigenous and or non-indigenous communities all want the same thing. Hmm. And once you can see that, then you look at partnering indigenous, non-indigenous communities with industry. And then who's left? Well, the government is left. Just don't let them get into involved in controlling that dialogue <laughs> or be a part of that success. I think we've agreed from the early uh, days we're going to push them on the sidelines <laughs> as much as we can. I, yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. They're supposed to enable, not not disable. And I think sometimes they're disabling more than enabling. But that's another, yeah, another podcast. For another <laughs> Curious. I, I love acronyms because, well, we live in a in a city or a province full of acronyms, a world. ESG, environmental, social, and governance. It's something that has become very popular. You know, tr- I would say almost trendy for the right reasons. But when I hear you talk, and I think about you know indigenous communities and nations. In, you know, environment, obviously key, as you said, the part of and of from the land, you know, social and governance, governance, that feels like that is just actually was part of your community and the way you thought about things and did business without throwing an acronym on it and putting it on every, you know, uh, uh, annual report in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, you know what, I, I think a lot of companies, like I think a lot of the companies out there, um, you know, ESG, what, what it really is to you, okay, you're going to focus on environment, you're going to focus on communities. Great. That's table stakes. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I've heard you say that a lot loud and clear on this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, governance. Well, you can't be a player and not have governance. What does governance mean? Well, governance is not a dirty word, right? Governance means so much inside of organizations. I think there's a real opportunity for industry and to align a little bit more with maybe what governance is inside of indigenous communities. That's all part of okay. what I'm talking about, the cultural and social. Yep. You know, we don't use uh, ESG, we use ECS, which is economic, social, and, and, and culture because, you know, the one ESG that you, you really don't get into enough where I believe you need is it's a cultural part of it. And, you know, I've, I've been asked a few times to sit on a couple boards or ask for, for some advice on on that particular, you know, synergization a little more with communities and ESG. And my first thing is core values. Like you look inside the core values of a business and how those core values literally like they're linked, they're welded into their governance and then in turn welded into their policies. And what you'll see is, yeah, the core values might be there and are they lived? That's another question because once you get to your governance and then all of a sudden you see your policies and then you see some other things, maybe that's where groups are trying to shore up underneath this ESG framework. How does it come uh, about? But at the end of the day, if, if the core values are there and you're focused on your people, management systems, governance, that's all easy. That's really all easy. And you need, if you need an acronym to make that successful inside your business, once again, cool. <laughs> 
I work in marketing, so we love to put names on things and then like make it, make it mean something. So I, I do get that side of it. When you think about, you know, you talk about companies and, and just how companies appreciate, you know, values on a wall is very different than what comes alive in the real world and how people treat each other day to day. That's that's where you know where your values are. When it comes to working with different nations and different indigenous communities, do you will you also find as much variety in, in that governance? Like every company has a different set of values or a core mission and purpose. When you deal with 30 different nations across the country, as, as you do, how much does it differ or does it still boil down to, like you said, is we're all still people at the end of the day and we value similar things. Is that more prevalent versus in companies? We try so hard to make ourselves different and unique and not like the guy across the street, but ultimately it's still just a bunch of humans hanging out, right? <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, I think there's, that's, you know, that's the absolute enjoyment that I have in, in, in my world is that in, you, know, you walk into a community and one thing, you know exactly what you're getting consistently as far as, you know, the value, beliefs, and, and culture, and I'll, I'll caveat that in a second. It just, there's just, it feels, it's so welcoming at home to go into the communities and help the community and work with the community. With that said, every single community is different. Okay. Even on some culture aspects, there's so much difference. There's difference inside the politics structure. There's difference inside the social. Totally difference inside of, and that all leaks up to how to make decisions. And, you know, it's every community is a lot more diverse than you think. Okay. Uh, there's probably a lot more similarities between a community that's non-Indigenous, that's 40 kilometers apart in any part of Alberta or across Canada than it is between two Indigenous communities in a lot of ways. Well, and the word nation to me is very powerful. That has some weight to it in terms of it, what it means because a, a nation has its own set of everything and its own way of doing things and its own. You've mentioned food, music, all the things that make up, you know, and I think the word nation is very powerful and I have a lot of respect for that word because it, it has some gravitas to it. It's not just like, oh, town over there or town over there and, oh yeah, maybe there's the difference of this or that. But nation to me implies that there's a lot more ownership on who we are and, what, and what, what's important to us. Well, you know, the indigenous nations have been self-governing and, and taking care of their own people and taking care of their own economies, taking care of their own food security long before colonialism. So, yes. you know, the nations, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, there's a lot to be learned from uh, from how the nations used to self-govern, used to run themselves. And obviously, that's not the movement, but, you know, all communities and all regions are looking now through that lens extremely aggressively where, um, you know, Alcan communities now go back to underneath that term nations and really be self-governing and run their own nations and everything everything that implies inside of that. Are you seeing a movement in those communities to more back to that way of thinking and that way of you know ownership and self-governance? Hundred percent. That's awesome. Um, it's September thirtieth. It's obviously a very important day. You know, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. So. You know, again, from from your 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 perspective, I'd love to hear just kind of what this day means to you, and how you're choosing to, you know, to 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 experience it, and you know, just sharing share your own perspective around it being such it's such a powerful you know mark in the calendar that we need to observe, and and I you know myself and need to better understand constantly, which I think is I'm happy that it's brought out. It gives you a reason to go, okay, I need to focus. But from your perspective, what what are some of the key things that we need to be thinking about, or that you're thinking about on this day? Yeah, you know, I get asked that question quite a bit, and I, I once again I go back to, you know, what I mentioned earlier about um, you know my perspective on truth and reconciliation because it's two really, really, really big, powerful words, mm -hmm. and they're brought forward from you know people that are um, a lot wiser than I am to try to once again collaborate, try to bring forth the truth and, and try to reconcile. And, um, you know, I did an op piece about a week ago, and through that op piece, I tried to answer that through my lens. And and once again, what we talked about earlier is just 
uh, for me, it's another day. It's another day to step back and, and look through, you know, family, my family, and look through my culture and look just to get regrounded. And um, but I think for non-Indigenous people, it's a really, really good time to, to just get more educated, right? get more educated on what truths really are. What, what's what's truth mean? You know, nobody's going to be able to go and solve reconciliation tomorrow. There's a place for government in that. There's a place for private business in that. There's a place for all of us personally. You know, if somebody has a story and. You know, they grew up next to a community. They, whatever their story is, if they need to reconcile individually, um, or as a family, or as a company, focus. Great, but how, how do you come up with where do you think the reconciliation needs to go? It's first by answering the first question, which is truth. What is the truth? What do you want? What do you want answers for? What do you want to find out? And go and find those answers. And you know, don't be scared to to, to get into a community, to you know, embrace into culture. Find out how you can not only learn more from a book, but learn more from speaking to to you know elders and speaking to youth. You, you want to have some interesting conversation? Go speak to a, a teenage girl, um, you know, that's no longer in her community and has you know been pulled out, and she's supported now by the Stardale Group, and she's you know that's that's an interesting conversation. You want to look through a lens of what truth really is inside of a community. Um, there's a lot of different truths. And once you understand those truths, then you can take your own, own position on where you want to reconcile. I appreciate your comments. I, I really thank you for breaking the two words apart and not just saying them as one, as kind of lumping them together. And this isn't one day. This is an experience. This is a journey for all of us to learn and understand and appreciate. And that reconciliation will come in stages and phases for everybody. It'll be different for every different person at the table, really. Powerful. Trent, appreciate, thanks appreciate so much. Question. Yeah. Sorry. I appreciate the question. Yeah, thank you. Trent, it's been really good. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed Thank you for allowing me to just maybe ask sometimes maybe what are obvious answers. But for me, I never miss an opportunity to want to assume that anybody knows or I know and to ask questions and to to like put the fear aside and be willing to say, hey, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm learning. I'm willing to learn. I want to learn. I have a thirst and hunger for it. And there's only one way for me is to get out and talk to real people who are experiencing it and creating change like you are in across our nation, which is fantastic. So Trent, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Obviously you can go to, uh, go to your company's uh, page, which is, you guys have a great website. You really kind of lay it out. It, it's very much about what you value first. I really got that as an impression when I was reading through your website, kind of a steel river group, but what's the best way for people to learn more, to connect with you at kind of all the levels that they probably reach out. Yeah, you know, I think like everyone else, it's website, one of the social media platforms on our company. You know, I, I try to be pretty active on some messaging, um, you know, whether it's about business or partnerships. Uh, you know, I I um, try to put my support behind a few key initiatives, um, and one of them is mental health. So, you know, if we can want to reach out and, and look, look through, you know, the, those lenses, and uh, I won't give you my cell number today, thanks, so, but... Uh, okay, yeah, that's... <laughs> some people do it's i always i just leave it out there if you want to it's you if it's not that's fine no steel steel river group steel river group dot com you are definitely on linkedin we can find you there but uh trent thanks for your candor today thanks for just being willing to have a good conversation i really appreciate it thank you Tyler. this is awesome i've been on a few podcasts but this was uh was really enjoyable appreciate it thank you that's hey the, the art of a good old-fashioned conversation i think we've i guess lost in our modern world of sound bites and and 140 character tweets <laughs> And lucky for all the audience, they didn't get me on camera. They just got me on voice. So oh, I don't know. You've been pretty entertaining. I don't know. I think I've, I, this is the cat. I should have filmed this episode. Uh, Trent, thanks so much. I look forward to. Uh, I have a feeling you and I will chat again. Thank you so much. Take care, sir. Bye.